1: their eyes our special series featuring utah teenagers discussing current events on utah's morning news with tim and amanda What a pleasure it is every week to sit down with teenagers here in the state of Utah, young people, and get their wisdom about the issues of the day and find out how they feel about what they hear in the news. And this week, I am joined by Matthew, Peter, and Ella. Welcome, welcome to each of you. We have so many different topics to discuss this week, and I want to start with one, and I'm handicapping you a little bit, and I apologize for that in advance, because I want to ask you about the impeachment inquiry that has moved to the House Judiciary. Committee from the House Intelligence Committee. And here's the handicap. The handicap is, is that I need to disclose to our uh, podcast listening audience that I'm asking you this on a Tuesday. The hearing is tomorrow, Wednesday, and part of your commentary may in fact air on Thursday after the hearing. So with all of those disclaimers, can you give me, if, if we'll start with you, Matthew, can you give me just your general reaction to what you've seen so far?
2: Yeah. um, Number one, what I hope to see is that um, Republicans and Democrats, well, what I expect to see, actually, is that Republicans and Democrats are going to become um, maybe more divided on this issue, that more of their opinions are going to be coming out this week as we're moving along in the inquiry, um, that we'll just, we'll see a better and a clearer picture of their opinions, and we'll see them start to kind of float away from each other in some instances, What I hope to see is that um, all the proceedings will be done in a fair manner, that the truth can basically come out, and that whatever needs to happen for the truth to come out does happen, and that I... I hope that just all, treat, all sides are treated fairly and that everyone has an open mind about these issues so that we can find out what actually happened and what needs to happen moving forward.
1: Do you think it's a foregone conclusion that the House will impeach the president or do you think they may take some other action like censoring him or something else that we haven't considered?
2: what i expect to see is that the house would impeach him and that would move on um but i don't i hope that i hope that doesn't happen just because um people want to impeach him and just ignore what's actually happening but i hope that they take the facts and that they take action according to those facts mm. so i expect it to move on i kind of hope it doesn't if that's what needs to happen or if that's what they think should happen.
1: Hmm. All right, Peter, tell me what you think so far. All right, um,
2: as we've seen
3: with the impeachment inquiry thus far, it's been really partisan. For example, when the House voted on how to proceed, it was split pretty much exactly down party lines. And I have mixed feelings about the impeachment inquiry because I think that President Trump, he has more of similar viewpoints with me than many of the Democratic candidates, and I don't necessarily want this hurting his chances for the presidency. However, I think we have seen some evidence that there has been things going on with the, um, for example, with the military aid being withheld from Ukraine. I hope that we can, like Matthew was saying, just get a clear picture of that now. I think that's an important thing to know that the evidence we're looking at is... The truth, and I think that this how, this moving to the Judiciary Council with those witnesses, I think that it'll become clearer and that we can have a better picture of what's going on.
1: And so, in front of the Judiciary Committee, we'll hear from um, legal experts, and they'll share with us opinions of of what is an impeachable offense. What if? And I'm just this is a total you know hypothetical peter but what if we learn that the facts as we know them constitute an impeachable offense how would that affect your decision making it's totally total hypothetical because i don't know that that's true well if the
3: fact were that um he had committed an impeachable offense then i think that he should be impeached um it's just following the guidelines if we start moving outside of the guidelines that can be a kind of dangerous place to go because then other rules might change, and that's just a dangerous path to follow.
1: Hmm. What, what do you make of all this, Ellen?
0: Well, I'm definitely excited for um, the proceedings happening tomorrow with the Judiciary Committee. Um, I'm also excited for the Intelligence Committee to send out their report today. I'm super excited to read that and see what they learned from all of this. It will be something before. that
1: we, the public, get to see. That yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. So we can actually figure out what's going on here. Um, I'm also interested to see what articles of impeachment of impeachment Trump is being held for, t- which is supposed to come out today as well, I think. Um, and yeah, to hear what legal scholars have to say on the um, subject. Since the one problem that I find with it, I'm not exactly sure right now whether I think Trump should be impeached or not, just because I don't know if he's gone too far or not. And I think it's really important that we keep impeachment to like really... Serious issues, because we don't want it to be a thing where like, oh, the president got impeached normal, like it's happened before. So it's not a big deal. So we want when someone gets impeached to be a big deal. So if the legal scholars can kind of make more sense of what is impeachable, what isn't, I would be very interested to hear that. Mm,
1: Because you don't want to use impeachment when you're just dissatisfied with a president. Right. You want it. So maybe we do need to hear what uh, what the legal definition of that constitutional uh, g- phrase means, what is the duty of the Congress here? And yet, may I ask you, do you, do any of you think that the Republicans in the Senate would come across the aisle to find the President guilty even if he is impeached? For any number of reasons, I'll start with you, Matthew. Do you think that they would any number of them or enough of them?
2: No, I don't. I don't think so. I think um, the Republicans will vote that he Trump shouldn't be impeached. I think they're going to stay on that side and with those ideas
1: and support the president. Mm-hmm. What do you think?
3: I would agree with Matthew. Um, I think I heard once it was they there would have to be over a dozen Republican votes in favor of impeachment for President Trump to be impeached by the Senate. I don't think that's likely to happen, if only because of the partisan split.
1: Mm-hmm. What about for you, Ella?
0: Well, I think being impeached in the House is definitely a possibility. But being convicted in the Senate, not so much. I think a lot a lot of Republicans would have to go over to the other side for to make it happen. And I just don't think that's realistic, especially with the election coming up. I think a lot of the Republicans are going to stand behind Trump to make sure that they have someone to run who the people know.
1: So my final question on this topic is, is it still in your mind as an American, is it still important to go through this process knowing it will not lead to a change in who's in the Oval Office? Matthew.
2: I would say, no, I think um, we should be taking other action that can actually lead to something. If we're just going after this and we know that it's not going to work then that's not solving any issues it's not doing anything but if you take different action to show that um that maybe president trump did something wrong in some other way other than just impeachment which we know won't work
1: like censorship is that what you're thinking of a lesser lesser. something
2: like that um Uh, what do you think
1: peter
3: um i think that the democrats i believe that um The Democrats in the House are using this. Um, This is one reason of using this to help them with the 2020 presidential election because if President Trump is impeached, that sends a message to voters. Even if they don't know what he was impeached for exactly, it just sends a message that he was impeached. So he did something bad enough to get impeached, if only by the House. And so I think that this um, will influence the 2020 election. And I think that it is, again, as Ellie said, a good possibility that he's impeached. So, uh,
1: could backfire, could backfire though, couldn't it? Well, I mean, I think you're right, but it could backfire. People could be sick of it, they could think that people are picking on him. Is am I wrong about that?
0: No, I think that's true, but. I guess I definitely think that we should go through with an impeachment process whenever the president does something that looks like it could warrant impeachment, since we don't want presidents to think that they can do whatever they want and not have any consequences. So I think, I mean, because we have evidence that President Trump tampered with the next election. And so we really want to go through that process to make sure that nothing shady is happening behind the scenes, even if... We know that it won't actually lead to a conviction we should be going through the process
1: allegiance to the process Mm -hmm. any other comments on this topic I want to just just do a rapid-fire round with you on a couple of the topics that were brought up in the Harvard Youth Poll and get some brief responses to some of the topics and I'll start with your permission with you Peter let's see what should we ask you all right Um, More young Americans support dismantling the Electoral College than oppose it. Do you support dismantling the Electoral College, yes or no? Um,
3: I think, in general, I support the Electoral College. Why? um, Because it's just... So, for example, the senators are supposed to be selected by the government or by the the legislature, Mm -hmm. not directly by the people. And so it makes it so that it's just... Um, slightly different from picking representatives who are elected directly by the people. I think that when you have the state, the electoral t- tickets from the state mm-hmm. be voting for the president, I th- I prefer that system, I think, because it just shows the state's views more. Like, the, you can still win by a um,
1: majority, majority mm-hmm. but
3: I think that this is just – I prefer the electoral college system because it just shows the state's views.
1: Mm -hmm. All right. Let me ask you. Where's my other question? All right. More young Americans support eliminating private health insurance than oppose it. Do you support eliminating private health insurance?
3: I do not support eliminating private health insurance. I don't think that the government should provide um, free health care for everybody. That's not a God-given right. I don't think it's a right that people have um, that the government should protect I think that private health care should still be around. I do not agree that it should be eliminated.
1: All right. Uh, A majority of young Americans support background checks and uh, and the assault weapon ban. Do you support those two things?
3: So I think the right to bear arms is important. Um, However, we have had a lot of dangers, for example, uh, but um, people who – are committing crimes with guns, are still going to commit crimes. For example, as I think Ben Shapiro once said, Al Capone, once the prohibition ended, wasn't going to become a banker. He would continue um, doing crimes. And I think that's the same with the uh, guns. We should make them so that people can still get them, so that they can defend themselves if a government from other people or if a government goes bad. But And so I don't think I would agree
1: with that. Interesting. All right, over to you, Ella. Um more young Americans support dismantling the Electoral College than oppose. What do you say?
0: I disagree with dismantling the Electoral College. I kind of agree with Peter in the fact that we need to keep the state's sovereignty and the state's power, which has kind of been chipped away at, at the years. Like at the At the founding of America, the states were number one, and then the overall government was number two. And so I think if we take away the Electoral College, it takes away power from the states, and I don't think that's fair to states or populations that are really small with not a big population. Um, so, though there are benefits to a popular vote, I think we should protect the state sovereignty and keep it with the Electoral College.
1: Okay. Um, more young Americans support eliminating private health insurance than oppose. What do you say?
0: I do not support eliminating private health insurance. Um, I mean. I think people should have that option if they want to have the option of having a private health insurer. And also, I don't think it's the government's job either to just fix any problem that we have. I know that Frederick Bastier had very, very strong opinions on this. And in his book, The Law, he called it legal plunder, where the government takes from one person and gives to another, which is kind of a strong way to say it. But, I mean, I kind of do agree that if you're taking money from someone else and then giving it to another person, that's... I mean, that's socialism, just the transfer of wealth. So I would hesitate from completely cutting out private health insurance.
1: And lastly, a majority of young Americans support background checks and an assault weapon ban. What do you say?
0: I think the Second Amendment is so important with the right to bear arms, the right to have a weapon. I think once we as a populace are disarmed, then it takes away a lot of our power. Like, we don't have the ability to really... Stand up. Like, let's say that there came a point when we needed to have a second revolution. We would have no means to do that because we would have no means to buy weapons. Um, And yes, there are issues with like school shootings, things like that stuff happens um, with these weapons. But I also feel like anyone who really wants to do something or to hurt people will find a way to do it even if we're not selling guns, Mm. like you can make a homemade bomb, you can figure out other ways to cause havoc other than just using a gun.
1: Okay. All right. Over to you, Matthew. What do you say to our first question? More young Americans support dismantling the Electoral College than oppose.
2: I also disagree with that. I think that the Electoral College is important because it helps to Better represent the states, like what Peter and Ella were saying, but it also better represents the people in those states and make sure that um, their vote really counts because they're going more towards something. And that it's not just um, one area or one group deciding everything, but it's spreading it out among all the people and getting that through the Electoral College. I think that is a better representation for people.
1: Okay. What about, do more young Americans support eliminating private health insurance than oppose?
2: I also disagree with that. I believe that private health insurance, um, it creates better competition and more competition, which can actually lower the costs of health care in general, which can help people a lot. And then I also agree with what Peter and Ella were saying, that it's probably not the government's job to be providing health care for everyone.
1: And finally, uh, more majority of young Americans support background checks and an assault weapon ban. What say you?
2: I'd be fine with um, background checks. I think that's an okay thing. Um, Banning all of assault weapons, though, I highly disagree with. It goes directly against what the Constitution says about the right to bear arms, which I believe is important to protect, and I believe that it's not law-abiding citizens who use these guns to hurt others. Um, The people who are using these guns to harm others aren't stopped by any laws. They're willing to break those laws, and they'd be willing to get guns illegally to do that. And like what Ella was saying, there are other ways to hurt people than just using guns. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that would be solving the issue that we have
1: today. Interesting. The three of you are bucking the trend in large measure. That's interesting. Okay, on to our next topic, which is – I want to talk money for a minute and just see what your what you're thinking is about money. Um, there was an article recently in the USA Today that talked about what the concept is of how much money you need in retirement. Obviously, the three of you are not thinking about retirement uh, at your very young age. But I just wondered, when you look down that road, as I'm now forcing you to do, is a million dollars enough? Is a million dollars a target for your saving for retirement? Or do you have, because you know what people my age, they'll say to to people my age are supposed to have a number. A number that we shoot for that will be a safe number. A number that if we save that amount of money, we'll be able to take care of ourselves and our spouses for the remaining time that we have left, which is, you know, if we're in good health, a lot longer then um, sometimes we project. So I wonder, at your age, and hopefully the the lifespan projection doesn't go backwards. Hopefully it goes forwards. But I wonder what that. Do you have a sense of what that number is, Ellen?
0: Yeah. See, before I read this article, I mean, I hadn't ever really thought about this before. Oh, of course you
1: wouldn't. Why would you? <laughs> and
0: so I mean, if you ask me, like, oh, is a million dollars enough? I would say yes, definitely. A million dollars is a ton of money. But after reading this article and taking an account for inflation, it makes sense that I think the article said like 1.4 around is the amount that you needed to be at to really be safe. And I mean, it makes sense since inflation is always happening and in like 50 years down the road, there'll be a lot more inflation. So i really want to say thank you for putting that into my mind. That's what I wanted
1: to do. I wanted to put that into your mind.
0: Yeah. I mean, I never really would have thought of it before. So it's good just to have on the back burner that things change and you need to be ready.
1: And the earlier you start saving even teeny little small amounts, um, thanks to compound interest, you know that money might just be there in a larger amount than you think when you actually need it. So in your mind are you thinking now 1.4 million, 1.5 million is that what you're thinking you might yeah. need? Okay. All right, back over to you. Um, let's see what Matthew thinks. I'm sorry, Peter thinks. What do you think, Peter?
3: All right. Um so one thing I've noticed my father do is he puts away a portion of his earnings each month into a mutual fund. And I think that's important um for one reason, inflation, because you need to stay ahead of inflation to keep your purchasing power. Because a million dollars is enough now, but you need to stay ahead of inflation. If you can grow it at the same rate of inflation, technically you still have a million dollars then by like today's standards. So I think keeping it ahead of inflation is important. Doing things like having it in a mutual fund, um, compound interest like you mentioned. Um small amounts like you mentioned also I think are important if you're just putting away a little every every month then you're going to end up having a lot more later on in life.
1: I and is this a topic you're already discussing Peter? Money?
3: Um so I have um looked into investing and so Brilliant. um and then also the article I read made
2: me think about that as well.
3: But,
1: Good. Yeah. Good, good, good. Over to you, Matthew. Okay.
2: Um, I believe that it's important to realize that your end goal might always change. I don't think I, it might not be as important to find that magic number that's just going to work like no matter what, but instead as you're moving along and as you're getting closer and closer to retirement, then your end goal or your end amount might change and you need to be Um, flexible with that and you need to be able to change um, what you're spending how much you're saving in order to reach that end goal and just realize what kind of lifestyle you want to be living in the future and just be kind of changing that as you get along and as you're getting closer and closer you can get a better idea what it is you need to be saving and kind of readjust how much what you're going for.
1: Yes, yes, because you never know what your health will be, etc. And the more you do early on, the more flexibility you'll have Mm -hmm. uh, later. Um, Thank you for for going through that exercise with me, because it's something I, I talk with my kids a lot about, because I want them to have the flexibility of choices in their later years, um, I want to ask you about uh, one more question here before we take a break. Um, oh, it's about the First Amendment. This was another. This was another poll about Generation Z, your generation, about what your feeling is about whether hate speech should be protected by the First Amendment. I was fascinated by this poll that I read about in on our. It was I can't remember the publication now, um, and it broke down the numbers of. How people in your generation felt based on uh, race, gender identity, sexual orientation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I just want to know how you feel um, about the First Amendment. Should hate speech, I guess I'll phrase it this way, should hate speech be protected? How important is the First Amendment? A- amendment. Matthew, can I pick on you to start first course, on that? Very difficult question. Very difficult. I'm not sure I know how I feel about the answer to that difficult question.
2: Yeah. Um, I believe that under the Constitution, it's okay to say some offensive things. It's okay to say things that people might not agree with. The government can't get involved with every single thing that everyone says and um, censoring everything that they do. Um I believe that it is okay to say some offensive things under the First Amendment and that – yeah, basically that's my opinion.
1: Absolutely. Uh, And what do you say?
2: Um, So I think that the
3: government should, of course, protect those rights. Hate speech makes it really difficult to tell when people are infringing on other people's rights with the things they say. But I personally would say that we should err on the side of freedom. I mean, once you start taking away small things like you start infringing on people's right to speak, you start saying they can't write certain things, um, that's a really dangerous path to go down. I think that that could end up in the government eventually controlling our lives. And America was founded on freedom, it was built on the idea of freedom that we could do what we wanted as long as we didn't infringe on other people's rights. I think that it's difficult to tell with hate speech when you're infringing, but Personally, I think that we should err on the side of freedom and in favor, I'm in favor of the First Amendment.
1: I'm going to have a follow-up question for you in a moment, so hang tight. Ella?
0: I think hate speech is such a tricky thing because what qualifies as hate speech, you know? Like, when is it crossing the line from hate speech to just maybe being ignorant of something or just accidentally offending someone? So if the government is stopping us from saying things that may be offensive to people, then what isn't offensive to people? Anything you say, someone could say, oh, I disagree with that, that's offensive to me, so now you can't say it anymore. And so I agree with what Peter and Matthew said in the fact that the First Amendment is number one for a reason. Once we're not allowed to speak our minds, then the government can take a lot more rights away from us. Mm. So I think it's important to protect our right of speech, um, it is true that people will say... Um,
1: Horrific things sometimes. Yeah, really
0: bad things. and But I don't think that that is the government's responsibility to step in in that scenario.
1: Right, the government. Now, here's my follow-up question. What about Twitter or Facebook or YouTube? These social media sites are not the government. There's no governmental part to those private companies. What if they censor what they consider to be hate speech on their platforms? Do you have any problem with their censoring hate speech as they define it on their platforms, Peter?
3: Um, No, I don't have a problem at all with them doing that. I think that they're a private company, first of all. They can do whatever they want. I mean people are choosing to give their business and support to these these companies like Facebook and Twitter. And they're also choosing to let Facebook and Twitter censor things that they say. And if they want to give their business to somebody else that might not censor it, that's fine. But I think that um, those private entities completely have the right to do that and that they
2: should have the right to do that.
1: Hmm. What do you say, Matthew?
2: Um, I think I would lean more on the side of saying that that's not OK, because I think that goes against our First Amendment rights and the rights to just speak our minds. Um,
1: but the First Amendment applies to government.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: are I, you, say, lean are more you saying
2: the side of no, that that's not OK?
1: Is it because Facebook is so huge that they're like a quasi governmental entity to you? Is that what you're saying? That's like they're like government because they're so big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I, think, I think there's an argument to be made there. I hear you that they're a private company, but at some point, if you can't function without them, they almost start to feel like a utility. But I don't want to put words in your mouth, Ella. What were you going to say?
0: Well, I think that this is the beauty of a free market in the fact that if something is askew with a private entity, then people will find out and they'll move to a different one. And it's true. Facebook and Twitter and all these things are really set in stone and... If they do something, most people will probably follow along with it. But if, I think if it became a big enough problem that Facebook was just shutting down anything you said that was offensive, I think a lot of people would move to a different platform and that another solution would arise.
1: Which is maybe why they're not censoring. Let me take a quick break, and we'll be back with my guest this week on Through Their Eyes. This week I am joined by Matthew Peter and Ella and we're talking about interesting issues of the week and can I bring up what happened at this um it was an elementary school in Park City I think um where the staff including the teachers if I remember correctly were given a training course in how to um handle bullying which Included bullying uh, that would arise uh, in the in the area of LGBT. Um, and when that happened, there was an, a group of parents that sent a cease and desist letter to the school and asked the school to stop with this particular training course. Um, and because they believed if I'm I may be getting this wrong, feel free to correct me because they believed that part of this course, which wasn't curriculum for the students, but that somehow it would through the teachers that it would get into the students in a way that the parents did not approve of. But what did you make of that, Peter?
3: Um, So I think that a school running an anti-bullying thing, I think that's great. Anti-bullying training, that's awesome. I don't think that they should necessarily target it specifically towards the LGBTQ community. I think that's... Mm -hmm. Um, The parents can um, teach their kids about that. But, yeah, I think that running an anti-bullying thing is great. Targeting it specifically towards LGBTQ, um, I don't agree as much with.
1: Okay.
0: What did you say, Ella? I think education is just so tricky because... It really is the parents' right to be able to control what their student is learning. But also, if you're giving your student over to the public school system, then you're going to have to deal with some of the things that the public school system decides to put in their curriculum. I would agree in the fact that I think an anti-bullying program is fantastic. But if kids are getting like sex education before their parents want them to and it get wasn't that... that.
1: It wasn't that. Oh, it wasn't that no, at all? No. It was it at least my understanding is that it was just the teachers being taught about bullying, the teachers being taught about how to spot bullying that might be based on LGBTQ things, not a sex education thing. At right. least that's my understanding. I sorry to interrupt.
0: Oh no, you're good. Yeah, that clear that clears things up. But um I mean I would hesitate from saying, yes, just target the LGBTQ issue. I think you should just teach kids that you don't bully anyone, right? For any reason, if they're different in any way, don't point or don't pick on them for that reason. So just just love everyone around you and mm. treat them with respect.
1: So singling that out would be a problem for you. Yes. Yeah. What, what do you make of it, Matthew?
2: Um, I, I agree with what Peter was saying that. It's very important to have an anti-bullying campaign, of course. Of course, no one wants all of their kids to be bullied or the kids in the school to be bullied. And so there needs to be some campaign that helps with that. However, I feel like um, with the way that this was set up, with the Welcoming Schools curriculum was set up, I took a look at some of their training material for the teachers. Oh, good. Oh, thank you. it basically, it told them that when they spot it, to stop it. But then it also told them to go further and to explain certain things um, that many parents might not agree with. Like ba- what? Basically, um, so like if they several students make um, comments about someone being LGBTQ, then they tell them to stop that, which, of course, is a good thing. But then it tells them to continue on and to explain to them what that is, teaching them. How, how basically how to think about this? It's for me, it felt like it was taking the conversation away from the parents, a conversation that needs to happen with the parents and their kids. I hear that, and giving it to someone that basically doesn't need to be teaching them about these issues. I just I felt like it was better for the parents to be teaching them about this, mm. and maybe. Maybe a better campaign, in my opinion, would be for the school to te- to tell the parents to talk to their kids about it. Um,
1: so so the maybe there was a, a sex education element to it, Ella, what you were referring to. That might be what he's talking about.
0: Yeah, I guess in the article that I read, a lot of it talked about how the parents were mad for that exact reason, mm-hmm. that they couldn't have or they couldn't teach their kids about this subject how and when they wanted, mm. and that seemed to be the issue. Gotcha.
1: Okay, um, let's talk for a minute about how this story about the Secretary of the Navy being fired. Did you did you read about this? This was fascinating to me, um, and I know it can be a very convoluted story. But, but um, for for those who weren't as familiar with it, just to give you the bare bones, there was a Navy SEAL named Eddie Gallagher. Who killed a member of ISIS, as I understand it, but then had his picture taken with the dead body. There's the violation. Wasn't it wasn't the killing of the combatant. It was having the picture taken for that. He was dismissed from the armed services, as I understand it. Um, he uh, the through the chain of command, um, he lost his Navy SEAL status because of that violation but President Trump wanted to give it back to him, and the Secretary of the Navy um, did not want that to be reinstated because he wanted the chain of command to be followed and for that man to to lose his tr- his Trident pin, as they call it, because you know this is something important that when you serve in the armed services, you followed the chain of command. Um, And since he bucked what the president wanted, um, the head of the armed uh, forces, am I saying this right now, did uh, dismiss the secretary of the Navy. What did I get wrong there? Somebody jump in. Do you want to start with with us here, Peter?
3: Um, So I think it's just that the secretary of the Navy ignored the chain of command. How so? because he so it wasn 't suppo- he wasn't supposed to talk directly to the President because chain of command is something important in the military yes private doesn 't talk to the general or something like that, and so um I think it was supposed to to my understanding it was supposed to go to um, somebody else that was higher in rank than him before going so he, to the, the Secretary of
1: defense um, okay. and I think he had left messages at least according to his statement, he had left messages with the Assistant to the Secretary of Defense, who was out of the country at the time, that may not be uh, corroborated, but in any event, yeah, I hear what you're saying is the Secretary of Defense said he should have talked to me first, but so maybe so maybe the allegation is that he didn't go directly to the chain of command. What's your thought about that? any thought
3: um so it's uh, I think that the chain of command is there for a reason, whatever the reason is in the military it's It's important they have those guidelines. And so I think that he should – he was fired because of this. And I think that he broke the chain of command. He went He, the secretary of the Navy. Rules. Secretary of the Navy, yeah. And so um, I think that he should have the consequences that follow Of this. It sounded like he was expecting this because in the article I was reading, it said that he had his resignation ready in 30 minutes, mm-hmm. something like that, which otherwise it would take a lot longer. But it sounded like he expected that and he knew – that his actions that his actions might
2: cause him to be fired
1: hmm. Hmm. any thoughts about this matthew
2: um yeah i i believe that it was right for the secretary of the navy to be dismissed um number one because of the way he handled things like what peter was saying um going behind um people's backs and not following the proper protocol to handle this issue and so to, and I, uh, I just we need someone who's willing to follow the protocol in any situation, um, ready to take the right actions. Um, so I believe that it was right for him to be dismissed. I also believed that, um, I, he should have just listened to President Trump because he's the commander in chief. He controls the Navy. Um, and it was a simple thing of reinstating this. Um.
1: Even Gallagher, though he felt like the president wasn't following what the protocol was, he should follow the commander in chief no matter what.
2: Yeah, that, that's true. Um, I, I believe that it was still such a small thing to get so worked up over um, and causing such a big problem. Mm-hmm. And I believe that he should have just let it happen, especially since Gallagher, the Navy SEAL, was acquitted of almost all charges anyways. Um, and I believe just taking different action to make sure that the protocol is followed in the future instead of causing it to become such a big issue in the, in the sense that he eventually resigns. He, and, he,
1: it cost, he cost him his career on purpose, mm-hmm. Ella. I mean the man knew what he was doing and he laid down his career over it. Mm-hmm. And so I think it must have been – it had some value for him to do that, don't you think?
0: Yeah, I think that there's errors on both sides, since um, I feel like President Trump wasn't completely following the chain of command. Like This was the Secretary of the Navy's responsibility, not President Trump's, but he stepped in anyway. And then the Secretary of the Navy disagreed with what he said and just couldn't bring himself to follow through with the order. So I do respect the Secretary of the Navy to sticking to what he believed in. Um, But I also feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, since... I had kind of a hard time getting the exact timeline here. Um, But my understanding is that President Trump pardoned Gallagher halfway through the proceedings of when he was being stripped of his title of seal. Might
1: have. I'm not sure.
0: Because in that case, I feel like President Trump should have let it carry out a little further since it could have been the case that Gallagher was pardoned anyway. Like it could have just happened that way. So Trump maybe didn't even need to get involved. And then all of this happened for nothing. I could be wrong in that case since, again, the timeline is a little skewed. Um, but, yeah, I think there are errors on both sides. I think it's unfortunate that um, the Secretary of the Navy was fired. But also the military is a very strict, stringent place. Mm-hmm. So if you're not following the chief officer, then that can also be a problem.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Um Let's see. I want to I wanna end with some... With, oh, ooh, time is running out. I want to end with some soft questions, if it's <laughs> all right with you, since the season is upon us. Ella, let me start with you. Um, what is uh, a memory of your best Christmas and, and why?
0: A memory of my best Christmas? Um, I think the memory of my best Christmas was the last Christmas where I was like a kid for Christmas. Oh, well, how old um, were you when you
1: would consider that?
0: I think that was about like... Like the last Christmas that I really got big presents and it was still super magical and fun and we were waiting up for Santa. Um, I remember I used to write fake letters from elves to my younger siblings and so they would actually think that they were being followed by an elf who would write them Christmas letters. Um, so that was a pretty fun Christmas. When I was 10, I'd write fake letters. Everyone was super excited about it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, what about for you, Peter?
3: All right. Um- so my favorite memory is probably, this is kind of reoccurring every Christmas we do this, but um, we're not allowed to go into the room where presents are, and, and and it's, like, all covered up. We can't see anything in there until, like, later on in the day, right? So I think it's just really fun every year to go in and to get the first look at all the presents, and it's just a really fun time.
1: That's nice. What about for you, Matthew?
2: Um... Some years we go up to Montana to visit some family for Christmas, and usually when we go there, we find a tree and we cut it down, and that's our Christmas tree for that year. And that's always really fun, because you're with a lot of family, and it's just, it's really
1: cool. That's amazing. All right, one, one more holiday question, if you'll indulge me. Um, what is, and I'll start with you on this, Peter, what is the best present you've ever given and received?
3: Um, best present i've ever given is probably just um i gave i think it was like seven dollars or something to um, my <laughs> sister and um she was really happy about that and so um yeah what's, that's, what's
1: the story there
3: i mean there's not much of a story really it's just Um, I gave it to her, and then she was really happy, and I think she used it to go out to eat or something. Oh, sweet, sweet. um, And then the best present I've ever received is probably, um, I don't know, I got, a few years ago, I got a a Lego set, that was fun, because I used to be really into Legos. So were my boys. What was it of? I think it was Star Wars. Star Wars? Yeah.
1: Excellent. A particular Star Wars set you remember? I don't. Oh. What about for you, Matthew? Given and received.
2: Okay, so let's see. The best Christmas gift I've given—it probably was a Lego set that I gave to my brother a few years ago. We're also really big into Legos. It was um, some Star Wars Lego set, and
1: not the Death Star.
2: No, 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 <laughs> no. That was a little bit too much for me. Yeah, <laughs> no,
1: no, I can't afford the Death Star. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, best Christmas gift I have received was. Probably last year I got a vintage radio set from my parents and had little dials to tune in to different stations and I've used that a lot this past year. You are to speaking things. to my
1: heart. <laughs> a vintage radio. Mm-hmm. Wow. Let's talk after the show. <laughs> All right, Ella, best uh, gift you've ever given and received.
0: Um I think the best gift I've ever given, this was several years ago, I think. I was also about 10 at the time. Um, but I found a big, huge cardboard box. And in our family, we choose one person who we give a big gift to each year. And I got my little sister. And so I made this big box into a huge fort. I painted it purple, drew flowers on the outside, cut out the side and made like a beaded curtain thing, which fell down immediately. But it was still fun. Um, and she loved it. It was lots of fun. Um Definitely the most thoughtful present I've ever given anybody. <laughs> That's great. Um, and then the pres- best present that I've received um, last year, I got season tickets to Hale Center Theater since I am a theater nerd. And it was the best thing ever since it's just the gift that keeps giving. I get to go every other month, and it's awesome. Oh, bravo.
1: <laughs> you three are, are brilliant. You give me hope for the future, all three of you. Would you please come back and see me again? Promise? Of course. Promise, Ellen. Definitely. All right. Enjoy the rest of your day. We'll see you next week on Through Their Eyes.